DJ and PK, it's time to talk BYU football with Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, Best of State award winner, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Dylan, good morning. Morning, folks. How are we doing? Doing well. Dylan, I remember a couple weeks ago, you were making your prediction on BYU beating Utah, and you said there was a lot of praying and fasting that went into that, and you got some laughs. You also made the point, I, to me, it made the point that you thought it was definitely possible, but given the streak, you really didn't want to be out there, you know, screaming too loudly. But they got the win. And now they've got another win, and I'm willing now, if you're wondered, willing to really scream loudly about this BYU football team, that as much faith as you had before, you've got quite a bit more now. Uh, absolutely. I, I've, I've got a lot more faith. And I know people are probably sick of my just absolute you know, positive reinforcement towards this team. Um, and I hope last year I did a good enough job of showing, you know, hey, there, there were some worries on a team as a whole. They just had the right tools, right? Uh, whereas this year, I feel like everything has really come together. And I think a lot of that comes down to not necessarily the surprise, but kind of like that aha moment of no one thought that this team had the ability that it does, right? No one thought it really did. Maybe people thought that they had the potential, but no one really thought that, a 3-0 and start was even plausible because of the loss in personnel, right? Because of the new, you know, because of new quarterback coming in and, and playing a, a huge role. role. And uh, I just think, you know, it's kind of that moment of, hey, 3-0 and in the Pac-12 um, with uh, a lot of potential looking up in regards to winning out. I mean, I think BYU fans everywhere can kind of stand on the, stand on the hill and and scream pretty loudly. Yeah, for sure they can. If you try to pinpoint reason or reasons, where are you going? I mean, I I truly believe it just goes back to the conversation last week, the the maturity of the program and and where it's at and kind of the foundation that's been built over the last few years. It was kind of this, you know, uh, opportunity that was ready to pop, right? And and this year is that year where the last few years, it's just kind of built up all this momentum. And, you know, is it is this the pinnacle? I don't think so. I think this, this is just really the beginning to that constant growth, especially with what's gone on in the last couple of weeks and being added to a power five and the potential to grow there. So I, I really think that this is just kind of that momentum straight up, uh, something that, you know, think people have been waiting for for a very, very long time, especially under Kalani. These three games have looked remarkably similar. The final, uh, in each case, BYU's jumped out in front, looked pretty comfortable, two-score lead. The other teams rallied and tightened it up, and then BYU pulls away and wins by eight, wins by nine, wins by ten. That's not going to hold. Something's going to happen. Maybe opponents are going to catch up to BYU's defense a little bit, especially with Peely being hurt. That's got to be a setback. He was playing so well. And then you've got uh, maybe the offense. We haven't seen it all yet, and they're really going to start throwing 40 points up there on the board. I mean, we can't have the same pattern 12 weeks in a row. We've had three three games in a row. It can't happen. How is this team going to change going forward? Where are we going to see it on the scoreboard? 
Yeah, I think I think the biggest difference, especially in what I've kind of been waiting for, is that that shift, right? Where and I think it, it did happen a little bit this last week, where after that initial special teams touchdown, okay, which was you know as great of a play as it is, we look at the chances of that truly happening, and we look at the numbers, and it's you know <laughs> uh, almost maybe a little bit of a fluke. But the way that the offense got started was extremely, extremely slow, right? There are you know, weren't many shots taken down the field. The offensive line was getting pushed behind. There was a lot of momentum going towards Arizona State's, uh, going Arizona State's way. And I think a big part of that goes to, you know, the way that we look at what does the opportunity look like for a bad game, right? And do I think that they played the best game Saturday night? No, I don't at all. I, I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities, and especially where Arizona State started to make that run back into the game, right? You look at the front seven and the way that they got pushed early. As I look at that and say, okay, we see how it is to play, you know, maybe not the best football, yet BYU is still able to pull something out, right? And so it's going to come down to, is your worst game better than the opponent still, right? Can you play at your bottom level and where do you still stand in terms of the end score? Um, and that to me, is going to determine a lot of what happens the next nine games, uh, the next ten games, however long it is, because that that pattern can't stay, right? We can't just come out and let people back in the second, third quarter and then pull some mirac- like miraculous victory in the fourth. Uh, my biggest kind of worry is, okay, what happens if we play you know, worse than we did Saturday night? Is that still going to be better than the opponent? I think personally that there are some games in there in the schedule coming up that if we play worse, you know, there are teams like the Boise States, there are teams like Utah State who has a lot of momentum. I think those groups are going to be ones that actually take advantage of that opportunity and put us in a bit of a bind or a pickle. As the team continues to win, they're 14-1 and one in the last 15. Kalani's such a magnetic personality. He's going to draw some interest, obviously, from other positions and other places. I mean, uh, what do you think of the, not just the administration, but I think the athletic administration is fully behind him, but the administration and above at BYU uh, opening up the coffers a little bit and making sure they're at least ballpark going right? Yeah, I'm, you have to. That, I mean, that is the only opportunity. It is very difficult. If you look at the difference of what, and I think that this is, you know, pretty <laughs> public information, right? Uh, we all stood by with Bronco, and Bronco, there was no chance of him leaving. You know, like he had, everything he stood for was BYU. Um, as soon as money started calling, it was pretty quick to leave. Now, no shame, like no shame. Like I think everyone in the world would have done the exact same thing, and I honestly think, you know, from a personal standpoint, I would do the same thing. I think Kalani would do the same thing. When you're talking figures that are three, four, five times more than you're making at one university and setting yourself up and setting your family up for kind of generational wealth, right, those conflicts are always going to come into play. No matter how much you love BYU, it's not a decision about you disliking BYU. It's a matter of, you know, what what is the potential? And so, in order for BYU to truly compete at that level, there's going to need to be a huge shift in the amount of money that's being paid to these coaches across the entire athletic program, right? To be able to keep Kalani around, to be able to keep the Popes around, uh, 
you you have to keep up or else you know you're just going to con- kind of be considered one of those mid-tier stepping stones that gets you to you know to get the coach to the SEC right uh, and I don't think BYU can afford that with the momentum that they have right now well, stepping stones come in a lot of different uh, sizes, I suppose, because as long as SEC teams are going to pay uh, eight, nine, ten million dollars, everybody who's yeah. paying five or six is a stepping stone. I don't think anybody's expecting. I guess the question is, to what level is BYU going to go? Because I don't think anybody who was there in the '90s thought they'd be paying what they're paying now. So you got to yeah. stay somewhat in the ballpark. But there's a big difference between two, four, and six million as far as. Well, who are you a stepping stone to and from at that point? Right, and and that is one hundred percent true. Like I, I think you have to put yourself in. You know, uh, I think the easiest way to compare it is where are you at and compared to what Utah's paying Kyle. Right? What is Utah paying their coaches? Uh, that's uh, I believe that you have to get to that level, um, and that would kind of be like the bar to set for the entire administration. Yep, I'm with you. Once again, my friend, you're telling it like it is, and I think that's important. I want to ask you a question that isn't specific to BYU. It actually relates more to Utah, but it's a general question, and I know you've been there. They've got a quarterback situation, mm-hmm. and the way I look at it, Brewers had an opportunity of two and a half games plus, and, and you know, it just hasn't looked good, obviously. I believe yeah. Rising has some swagger to his game, and certainly in my interviews and interactions with him, I've seen it. And then he goes out there and ignites a, a dormant offense in the second half. As a player, how much do you count on and configure as far as a player's almost like cockiness to succeed uh, to have in the decision that the Utah coaches have to make. I believe they're going to go to rising. But you as a player, when you look at a, another at a quarterback specifically, and you were a receiver, obviously, in a receiver family, yeah. knowing that the quarterback, he, he's got that it factor. Uh, Utah should have gone with Cameron Rising from the very beginning <laughs> this offseason. No questions asked, 110%. That's something that I've thought since the spring. Um because of that factor there was something that you could tell and that's just of watching a couple utah games right um and and that's just seeing some of the stuff that they would put out right like the media and the social media program at utah you could just tell there was something different about cameron rising that was going to put them in a position of you know confidence not just the swag that he's got but the Dude can absolutely fling it. Like, the guy can play. I think the biggest roadblock, and I wouldn't even call it necessarily a roadblock, but the biggest roadblock from getting Cameron Rising to play early was the difference in influence from from Andy Ludwig, right? And you look at his quarterbacks, especially in the last few years, uh, you look at who he had at uh, Vanderbilt, right? Um, and I forget the guy's name, but the, just a very fundamentally sound, you know, five, seven-step drop quarterback, much larger in stature, right? Um, kind of that old-school feel. Whereas, you know, Cameron Rising is that guy all around. He is that 2021 quarterback. And so I think from the get-go, they should have gone with Cameron Rising. Ultimately, I think the game last week at BYU – is a completely different story 
with Cameron rising under center. 100%, no questions asked. Um, and so it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes with Cameron rising under center and the success that Utah has, because I think they are a team with a ton of potential and a ton of talent. And so uh, I think that would be just the most fundamental move <laughs> uh, to make in order to kind of save the season. When you say the rivalry game would have been different, you think uh, BYU would have lost? I think they would have been under a lot more pressure offensively or defensively than they were. I think the offensive line would have played with a little bit more of a chip because of what Cameron Rising can do for that team. Um, and, you know, uh, I believe that the chances of BYU losing was is much, much different. I think Cameron Rising not playing, right? Now BYU played an unbelievable game. Cameron Rising not playing was a huge benefit to BYU. Well, we'll leave it right there, Dylan. You've given Newton Cougar fans something to think about and possibly argue about. Way to go. Way to stir the pot. <laughs> not stirring the pot. He's talking from his heart and mind. It's what Collies do. I think the he's beautiful not stirring thing, no pot. I think the beautiful thing is he's done both at the same time. Well, that's because he's speaking truth as he sees it. That's the whole point. That a boy. Hey, you just go with it. Exactly. Right on. Yeah, well said. You're the man, Dylan. Bring some more tooth next week. He will. No question. We'll see you guys later. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan Colley, our BYU football insider, former BYU receiver, join us here to talk Cougar football. <laughs> I mean, let's say they, 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 they better pay up the administration or you're going to lose these guys. And he said, what are they paying Kyle? Yeah, yeah, I went right to it, man. What are what, they paying, what, Kyle? What the heck is in those the, the DNA in Akali people? He's telling it like it is, man. My goodness. And then this should have started rising, and that's only watching a couple of times I've seen him play. He's got Off it. social media in the spring. I Pac- love that kid. Pac-12 salaries? I don't completely believe this list. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, you tell me right now. I bottom, like it. Bottom of the Pac-12, <laughs> Jonathan Smith, Oregon State, uh, a little under $2.3 million. This is as of uh, uh, last October was the was what I was October 2020 you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Mid-October of 2020. Okay. Yeah. I can believe Smith is last at $2.3 million. Uh, I am shocked to see Mario Cristobal is listed as next to last at two point five. <clears throat> There's got to be some other compensation coming Mario Cristobal's way. Free shoes. For starters. <laughs> well, the, this was his first head coaching job, wasn't it? An unlimited right. supply of polo. I'm yeah. <laughs> thinking since last October he's been bumped up. Kevin Sumlin. Free gym uh, membership so he can do uh, bench press. Kevin Sumlin was middle of the league at, at, uh, two, at uh, $3.2 million. He He's gone. out. He's right? gone, yeah. Uh, Clay Money Helton. well spent, I might add. Clay Helton <laughs> was number three, top quarter, number three at $4.5 well, million. It's, He's gone. It's Kyle and Shaw were the top Shaw's two. Shaw's one. At four, I'm, I'm working my way up. Okay. Kyle at 4.6 <laughs> is number two, and Shaw at the top spot is 4.8. So you've got a range, a basically double from the bottom of the league to the top. Uh-huh. And you've got Kyle at 4.6 and Shaw at 4.8. And, and, they, and the they, USC they also job. been there the two longest, so they get incremental raises Absolutely. that are built in and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. So that factors in. And right. Helton was at 4.5, which means if USC decides to pay 5 or 6 to their next coach, it wouldn't be shocking. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll pay him 4. Can't imagine they're going below that. 
Uh, I agree. They're USC. They want to win. Awfully expensive to live right. there. Where they pay between four and six will uh, be determined by how much leverage you have coming in. Agreed. All right, DJ and PK. So there's the neighborhood. And that is just part of it because, as you pointed out earlier, what you pay the assistants is going to matter to the head coach a lot. They know that assistants move all the time and you got to pay them because they're on one, maybe two year deals. Yes. And I could tell you there was a basketball opening in this state very, very recently. And there was somebody who was up for the job and he looked at the money available for assistants and said, no, thank you. It wasn't necessarily his salary. Mm-hmm. It was what he had available to pay a staff, and he said, no, thank you. And I, this is gospel truth. I don't know that he would have gotten the job, but when he looked at it, he said no. They call it the assistant's pool, yeah. because how it's divvied up among the assistants is usually up, up to, to the you. head coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So they'll refer to it as the assistant's pool, and there's a number, and head coaches are real dialed in to what that number needs to be. And he didn't want to swim there. DJ and PK, coming up next. Everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Rodgers looking, waiting, sends it out left side, Aaron Jones, wide open, to the end zone, touchdown, 11-yard, touchdown pass, Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Jones, and a Lambeau lead to the north end zone stand for showtime. Even more now than when I started playing, there's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis, so it's nice to, to come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. I just think people like to say a lot of and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. Man, that's two famous people I heard the, say the word BS in consecutive days. Lisa Wilson had it on her Instagram. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, the trolls <laughs> have quieted down. She's a cusser. Well, it happens. Oh, rambunctious little gal. <laughs> Rambunctious. <laughs> Am I right, Yuck? <laughs> Yuck, how many people in your life use the word rambunctious? Uh, I bet your mom might use my it. My mother used I it. I knew yeah. it. I haven't even isn't, met her and I knew it. Is that a good description for her? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's an apt description. Rambunctious. She entertains me. Packers, uh, first half, it was back and forth there with the Lions. In the second half, the Lions. Key penalties and key times, killing drives and turnovers, and the Packers run away, and the game was basically over early in the fourth quarter. 35-17 the final. Rodgers throws for four touchdowns. Three of them to Aaron Jones, and he ran for a fourth score. So Packers had it going. Now you could argue the Lions at home. That's, that's well, the yeah, easiest, gonna, quarter, gonna, easiest gonna, quarter of their schedule. I'm going to ask you, is, are the Lions the Sacramento Kings? Yes. 
An excellent point. By uh, the difference is not a lot of owners. That would be the one difference. The Kings have been hampered by multiple changes in ownership because every time you get a new owner, they're going to want a new GM. is going to want a new coach. Now they make plenty of decisions when they have consistent ownership. Ooh, you're they... saying Quinn Snyder's out? What? You said every time you want they get a new owner, they're going to want a new GM. And oh a new yeah, coach. because they're not winning. No, the Jazz are winning. I think Quinn's fine. Oh, that's because... not. Well, that's not. Every time you get a new owner who's I was losing. talking specifically about the Kings. They're losing. They get a new owner. And I was like, they're losing. we got to change things. New president, new GM, new coach. I guess you could say with the Jazz, if the ownership change hadn't happened, would Dennis Lindsay have still been in charge or not? I don't that, know. Hey, I don't know. That's probably debatable. Cannot answer that. Right. Uh, so certainly ownership changes can lead to it. But when you're losing, then they just do. Then That's automatic? Changes. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think coaches survive long term with ownership change and losing. That's that's an awful combo. Nobody wants to bet on that. Well in pro sports nobody survives with losing. Right. And the Lions, it's been Sleep the Ford tonight. it's been the Ford family they suck. forever. Yeah, nineteen fifty seven. You got one playoff win since nineteen fifty seven. That's awful. Oof. One playoff win in 63 years, and people, 64 years, and people made fun of Wayne Fonts, but he's got the win. They made fun of Wayne Fonts? Yeah, they made a little bit of fun of him. Why? That's uh, rude. Being, being goofy. Yeah. Wayne Fonts has feelings. <laughs> he, he does have feelings. <laughs> he does have feelings. I think that can be relatively easily confirmed. So that was the NFL game last night. I don't know if all's right with the Packers, but uh, coming off that win, they won't have to hear it for another week. We'll see how it goes going forward. Well, I, you know, Aaron, if you don't want to hear it, don't pay attention to it. There's that. Can't you just isolate yourself from that? Mm, an NFL quarterback, to a degree. I mean, there's too many guys in the locker room on yeah, social Aaron media. Rogers, You're going to hear about it. He's not just an NFL quarterback. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl winning Hall of Famer. I just hope on his induction he doesn't have the man bun. wouldn't that hurt underneath the helmet how does that work I don't know I don't know Uh, Carson Wentz sprained both ankles against the Rams his status is up in the air for Tennessee this weekend you fantasy football players you're warned Carson Wentz definite maybe the American Athletic Conference has given Mike Oresco their commissioner a contract extension Three years through June of 2025. He's a former CBS Sports executive, hired as the Big East commissioner in 2012. They, of course, had tons of realignment. The Big East, the basketball schools, the football schools broke up, rebranded the American. He's guided through that, and now he's got to guide him through Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF joining BYU in the move to the Big 12. So they're losing marquee nationally ranked programs there. Houston, not so good right now, but they had a great run, and UCF and Cincinnati are the big dogs now. And you think CSU and Air Force are going to go to the AAC? There's plenty of reporting about Why? that. Yes. That's a good question. What are you getting there that you couldn't get in the Mountain West? You sound like the Mountain West commissioner. Why would you go there and try to make them the biggest league if you just stay here, they're the biggest league, and you keep all your rivals? story, too. Yes. Well, he's told everybody who'll listen that. That's not just the San Diego paper. But that's where you read it. It is where I read it. But I've read it other places subsequently. Where? National guys are writing about it. National guys? What is you and national guys? I read it in The Athletic. I read it in The Athletic and ESPN. You discredit local people because they're- No, I read it in the San Diego paper. Everything is national with you. National guys. Except you just said I read it. 
read it in the San Diego paper and you were right, and they're not national. Find something else to be outraged about. They're I going. They're, they're they're Copley News Service. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice local knowledge. <laughs> that mattered to about two people listening to this, you and me. Well, that's who owned the Daily Reason. I worked for them. Helen Copley. She did. You meet her? Yeah. Hang out with her? You said, what up, PK? I said, hey, hell, how, how the hell are you, hell? Uh, <laughs> he did not. <laughs> if she was in the room, you would have been in the back of the room in that staff meeting with your hands in your pockets and your head down listening. Man, I'm making eye contact. Always a little guy. That's who I am. So the way, uh, similar to the way AEC needs, uh, needs continuity because things have been going well and they got a guy who's provided good leadership, you're saying BYU. And really, you're not speaking to BYU. Because people at BYU know. Tom knows, and Tom's informed everybody else on campus, and he's been around long enough. I think he's got credibility, and people trust him and all that. But further up, the food chain. Yeah, the board of trustees, they've got to understand what's involved here. Life in the Big 12 is going to demand a different level of financial commitment than independence, the Mountain West, and the WAC. And they don't have to meet or exceed anything. That's not it. They just need to... And they stay in the middle. You need to be at a competitive level to compete in Provo, Utah. And that's just not for the coach. That's for his her assistants, whoever the coaches or whatever sports we're talking about, if you want to succeed at that level. Because as Dylan Cauley said accurately, when Bronco Mendenhall was going to get over $3 million a year, what what choice? And, and BYU just said goodbye. I hope that's not the case going forward. Because then you are going to be a stepping stone. And you're going to be viewed as such. You can't achieve one without the other. You can't achieve high-level status, national rankings, blah, 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 without being in that ballpark. You don't have to exceed because there's things going on there. It is a little bit different in the community for sure. Uh, But you have to be where you're competitive, and you have to allow that coach to retain assistance. You know, who's to say that Grimes gets the job in Baylor, right? And it's going home for him. So that that matters. It's the same thing like when Bronco went from defensive coordinator to New Mexico to BYU. Rocky Long didn't like it, but he was going home. His parents were getting older, blah, blah, blah. And so we know he's an Alpine kid, right? But then the, Mateos, the assistant, was like a no-brainer. Suppose you would have, and I don't know what he's making at Baylor, and I don't know what he made at BYU for that matter, but suppose you would have said, yeah, we'll take care of you. Maybe he thinks otherwise. Maybe not. He's not, not an LDS guy, so maybe he's looking. And, and at the time, BYU wasn't in the power league. They are going forward. But all those things factor in. And I was having conversations very, very, very recently with people uh, at BYU and saying that Kalani is concerned about his staff. And one of the reasons he may leave, not saying that he would, but it's a possibility, that well, I could, sure, I'll be well compensated, but so will my guys. It's a big deal. No head coach does it by himself. I don't think they do it by themselves in basketball. They certainly don't do it by themselves in football. Mm-hmm. And, he and, and he and Tuiaki, man, they've worked together a long time. He and A-Rod, long time. Well, both of his coordinators he's got extensive history with, yeah. And now he's got a history with just about everybody there. And the chance to, yes, you're right, in the sixth year in the Ed job. Lamb. Right. So, Guilford. 
Hadley, his cousin. Fessy's his cousin, right? Uh, the pool, what the assistance pool that matters. What is that? Oh, especially number? for those guys. What is that number? If you're going to go from 120 to 350, that's massive. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just I'm just picking numbers. I was going to say. Well, the reason why I'm picking numbers is because that's what it was when Bronco left. So I pick numbers. But I picked ballpark numbers, and I know the numbers because the guys told me to my face what the numbers were. But if you're going 250 to 700, that's a big deal. Oh, my god! If you're going half a million to 1.3 million, SC's going to pay coordinators. They're going to they're gonna pay. They want to win. They want to win really badly. It's been a long time. You think you're bugged by Oregon? You ought to listen to USC people. Bugged by Oregon and Uncle Phil. They want to be the big dog again. Got a new president. Got a new AD. I know they've picked celebrities. I know it's been too much sizzle and not enough steak. And they've screwed up again and again. But from the top down, it's different now. They got different people calling the shots. They may not make the same mistakes they've made in the past. We talked a little NBA this morning. Clay Thompson is making good progress in his rehab. He will participate in controlled drills during training camp. His return, well, that's all going to be decided at a later date. When will he be playing in NBA games? Season opener seems less likely. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, where will they mark it off on the calendar? The Warriors do not want to be nailed down. I think it'll be in November. Jazz are taking their training camp on the road to Las Vegas, September 28, 29, and 30. Viva Las Vegas. Sing it, PK. Well, the Elvis tune? Yeah, it's a great tune. They'll be at the Win Las Vegas for three days, and then they'll come back October 1st. NBA teams have done this over time. Jazz have not done it lately. A three-day getaway. Three-day getaway. I was just reading yesterday that Houston went to the Bahamas. You were counting how the Lakers used to go to Hawaii. There are perks they throw guys away. I wonder if they'll go because Donnie has that residency now. You think they'll go down and see that show? Probably not. Why not? Seems unlikely. thought it hadn't started yet. That makes it even less likely. When's it start? I don't know exactly when, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're our Osmond correspondent. That's Uh, your beat. I'll call Don today. That's more what we expect out of you right there. I'll give Donald a ring. Because he's got that. He's a great entertainer. If you haven't seen him on stage, I would advise you to do it. And he makes fun of himself. He's funny. Didn't take himself too seriously for being a mega celebrity that he is. Spent a lot of time this morning. We'll have a lot of reaction coming up in your feedback right now. How worried are you? What's your concern level that Kalani Satake will take a higher paying job at USC or someplace else? And I think one of the good responses came from Brian. I'm not 100% on board with it, but I see where he's going. I like the fa- fact he's thinking out of the box here. He says there's a little chance of him going to USC. He'd be going there just to get fired. I don't think money is his main motivation, but if he does eventually leave, I would be more concerned about him going someplace like Stanford or Utah. Interesting. Well, every coach probably is going to get fired. So, I mean, if you go into that with attitu- that attitude, why take any job? Um, we do have a lot of people saying they've got more confidence now that BYU is in the Big 12. In the independent era, they would have been worried, but now that you know the Big 12 is out there. Yeah, but as I said, it's about his assistance, too. And if he has, yeah. a, t- if he has a chance to say, hey, Merry Christmas, here's a $250,000 raise. <laughs> yeah, that, you might find that tempting. Because that would be a Christmas gift, because yeah. that's when they do it in December. Yeah. So that matters. 
It's up to the BYU big guys, the board of directors, whatever they call them, trustees. You you, you got to get in that ballpark, man. You, got, you, just, you just have to. You have to understand what your mission is and what you're trying to accomplish with your program. And I believe you can recoup that money, too, through uh, your your attendance would be off the charts. And, and the TV uh, deal is getting bigger. Yeah. And the exposure you're going to bring to your faith by by Kalani. In parts of the country where you don't have nearly the built-in rep you have. What a representative to have than Kalani Sataki for your faith. I'm telling you, man. He makes it. He brings it on a, on a real level. He's not stuffy. He's not white in a church that has that rep. You, you got you got the golden ticket with him. So keep it together. I mean, they, their water bills at the churches for the baptisms, it would be through the roof. It's just one after another. Boom, boom, Went boom, Went right boom, to boom. the drought, huh? Well, I don't know if they would be in drought over in other places, though. I'm not saying here. Oh, okay. Like West Virginia. I don't know. What's their, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. What's the rainfall situation in I, West Virginia? I don't have any idea. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Florida. We'll get, let's get the dewy. Well, Florida, you just take them out to the water, so you're you good get, to go. Yeah, you just go to the beach. Yeah, you don't even need the fog. Yeah, well, you have to care for what water? You see that uh, video from Florida, the woman on the paddle boat in the river, and she had to take the paddle and bump the alligator away, and the voice off camera is like, yeah, but now I, you I'm, made him mad. I'm talking ocean. All right, waves. I like it. <laughs> Not the Gulf Coast so much. Who wouldn't want to be dunked in the ocean? That would be cool. DJ and PK, your feedback is coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I love Frank Dulce de Leche. He's a very smart man. I also love to disagree with him because about 20% of the time, he's just flat out wrong. Like, it has nothing to do with the offensive line. This is all about Charlie Brewer. Guy's not good. There it is, dumping it all on Charlie Brewer. Yeah, I can't go there, man. Because the O-line is struggling. Big time. We when, have it from no less an authority than Senator Nick Ford. When you have trouble sometimes handing off because the defensive line is right there to intercept the handoff, that's an issue. I mean, when you, you hardly ever see that, but when you see that two, three times in a game, you that's have a, shocking. You have a major issue. Yeah. Wow. People are blowing assignments and guys are just running into the backfield. You can't even hand turns. it off. Yeah. Now, I've been on the rising train. We'll see if he ends up being a player. But, uh, well, behind that offensive line, he's going to get a little bit of a pass because mm-hmm. it's an issue. The thing he's got going for him is he seems more comfortable running around making plays. They're going to have to roll the pocket left or roll the pocket right. He's going to have to scramble a little bit. They're going to have to do stuff. You can't just drop back, plant your foot, and survey the defense. I don't think you can roll the pocket left or pocket left. The pocket has to be right there in the middle. You can get out of the pocket left and out of the pocket right, but you can't roll the pocket left or right. We will debate that. I'm a football that. guy. Okay, good. I played freshman football at Thunderbird. <laughs> and I only did it because I literally did not know a soul. Didn't know anybody and meet some of the guys at school. Yes. Right. Football if, team being one of the bigger teams on campus. And if we actually had two. Two football teams? Yeah. Two freshman teams? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we did. Hadn't heard of that before. They had two freshman basketball teams, but only one freshman baseball team. Okay. Uh, we got a tweet here from Garrett McClintock, which has already been retweeted by Yach. 
At Smarty Streets has entered an NIL with all BYU women athletes, including walk-ons and the Cougarettes, in a deal similar to Built Bar's football sponsorship. 6K annually per athlete. Way to go. I can tell you that I have a former BYU softball player who's going to be very unhappy that she's currently not playing. <laughs> well, shouldn't she be mad at her parents? Say that one more time. Shouldn't she be mad at her parents? Uh, maybe so. If they would have waited... You know what I mean? It was, it was a timing yes. issue. 6K is not insignificant money right there. Uh, as far as the question of the day, what is your concern level that Kalani Sitake will take a higher paying job at USC or someplace else? Clutch Sports Utah tweets back with a guy, looks like a game show contestant, and he's got fingers crossed, both of them, like he's about to win money on a TV game show. You want Kalani going to USC? If you're having a problem, you're worried he's going to get a role in a Utah when, or get a Rolling at BYU, wouldn't you be worried to get a role in at USC? Why? Be a problem for Utah either way. Okay, I see what you're saying. Sure, yeah, I got you. Devin says, I don't know. It's hard to see him leaving. Ben says, please not USC. Anywhere else is okay. <laughs> Ben's Why? A U- well, Ben's a USC hater. You're familiar with that. You lived in L.A. You were one of them, and you knew many of them. USC, if you're not with them, you're against them. Not a lot of warm fuzzies there with USC. Yeah, I suppose you have to be competing with them every year. But at the same time, you're competing with BYU to an extent. Even when you're not competing with them, you're still competing with them. CJ tweets, uh, the Unrivaled show says the Algier Force fumble was a momentum changer for the game. This goes against PK's 10-minute rant that it was not a momentum changer. I agree with Unrivaled show and David DJ James. That's a day-old argument. Do you even remember it? Mm-hmm. Oh, you I, do? Because half of the stuff in the show. No, I said it was a momentum changer. I said, but to contribute it as the momentum changer or attribute it to it, I think disrespects BYU. Well, BYU could have stopped them. They could have picked up a fumble. There was still they a quarter to go. Field gold. There was still a quarter to go. A lot of things could have happened in the game. But at that moment in the game, I thought it was a very big deal. Those, and granted, those, it was a big deal. And granted, anything could have happened after that. But you're disrespecting BYU's dominance of the game if, to say that that was the game changer. That's where Moreland, I disagree, and I don't care. Rivaled, unrivaled, uh, crosstown rival, arch rival. <laughs> I mean, I, that doesn't matter. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. All good podcast names. Go out and grab them right now. Get those babies trademarked right now. All right. And, uh, and I've received more communication, not from a, a national uh, writer, that uh, uh, we've been underselling Air Force and CSU, that it is behind the scenes, it is a done deal. And that's from Scotty. I could read it, too. DJ and PK. <laughs> DJ and PK. Scotty and Hands are coming up next.